Blog Talk Radio. Glam more, fear less. Diva Talk Radio. Who's gonna kiss me? Who's gonna thrill me? Who's gonna hold me tight tonight? Why did I tell you I was going to Shanghai? I want to be with you tonight. Why did I holler I was going to Shanghai? I want to be with you tonight. It was just a little misunderstanding that a kiss on the cheek could pass. I need you so badly, I'd gladly start all over from scratch. Oh, why did I tell you it was bye-bye for Shanghai? I'm even allergic to rice. Why don't you stop me when I talk about Shanghai? It's just a lover's device. Now who's gonna kiss me? Who's gonna thrill me? Who's gonna hold me tight? I'm right around the corner in the phone booth and I wanna be with you tonight. Hello, divas and dudes. Are you ready? Because I'm ready to welcome you to Diabetes Late Night in May. I'm your host, Mr. Divabetic, and I'd like to empower you to manage your diabetes with confidence, knowledge, and inspiration. My guests tonight include the Charlie's Angels of Outreach, poet Lorraine Brooks, Mama Rosemarie, best-selling author Rachel Van Dyken, and Marguerite from South Africa. Tonight, we're talking about unconditional love and how it pertains to your diabetes health with inspiration from Hollywood icon Doris Day. Recently, Doris Day celebrated her 90th birthday. She credits the unconditional love she gives and receives from her pets as one of the biggest reasons for helping her stay active and healthy all these years. Did you know that Doris Day made over 39 films? Each year from 1948 to 1964, Doris Day was listed among the top 10 box office stars. That's the longest run of any female star in motion picture history. In tribute to Doris Day, we will be playing her music all night long, courtesy of Sony Music. Pick up your copy of Doris Day's Essential Collection at Sony.com. Now, before I get back to more Doris Day music, I want to take a minute and wish every mom listening to the show a happy Mother's Day. I am so thrilled to share the spotlight with so many fantastic moms, including Neva White, Patricia Addy Gentle, Marguerite from South Africa, Dr. Bev, and Mama Rose Marie. A new study says that most moms don't, even, don't think they're doing a very good job. They take themselves far too seriously and are too nervous ab- ab- about being harshly criticized or judged by others. Well, we can't let that happen at Diabetes Late Night, so I thought I'd let one listener help sing the praises, let one listener sing the praises of their mother in the hope that we let every mom listening know just how much they're appreciated. Please welcome my mystery caller. Hello, mystery caller. Good evening. Hi. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I wanted to throw a shout out to my mom, who's the absolute best mom in the world. Been there my entire life through thick and thin, no matter what. She was always there for me. Just an incredible mother. And I'm, I'm sure it's made a big difference in your life, right? Oh, absolutely. The, the unconditional support that she gives me, constantly listening to me ramble on and on, always there no matter what, sick or thin, no matter when I'm cranky, when I'm moody, um, she's always there for me. She's the best mom. I love her dearly. Well, you know, we have that in common because she's my mom too. So Mama Rosemarie, we had your youngest son, James, on the phone, wishing you a happy Mother's Day. How are you doing tonight, Mama Rosemarie? Oh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm very surprised. This is the biggest surprise of my life, and it was wonderful. Thank you so much. All right. Well, thanks, James, for being a part of the show. I don't. I mean, we've done the show four years in a row. You have four children. Next year will be the surprise. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much for having me on. I love you, Mom. Happy Mother's Day. Thank you so much for doing this. I I appreciate it so much. I love you too. 
All right. Well, happy Mother's Day to all our listeners. And if you're out there listening, get ready because fathers, we're going to be celebrating you next month with our big Father's Day special. Now, I don't know if you knew this, but straight ahead, we're going to have words of inspiration from my favorite poet on diabetes late night, Lorraine. But first, did you know that Doris Day has experienced many ups and downs throughout her life? She credits... Are you ready for this? Because I love this. She credits her upbeat attitude for helping her persevere. She says no matter what happens, if she gets pushed down, she keeps um, coming right back up. That sounds a lot like a diabetic to me. I love that attitude. Let's take a listen to a song by one of my, the world's most famous animal lovers. everybody it's time to meet the very lovely the very talented miss lorraine brooks hello lorraine hi max how are you welcome to the show thank you it's funny how tears come up when people express their unconditional love but you know we all love our moms so much and you've spoken so many times on the show before about what a huge impact your mom has had on your life, and I know she's no longer with her, but I'm sure uh, she's somewhere looking down, knowing, you know, every time you remember her, how much she meant to be a part of your life. You know, my mom had an interesting story. Um, She lived to be 96, and she actually died on her 96th birthday. So I I like to say that she just, you know, lived full circle. She, uh, She really completed the circle, and she was very blessed to be here for 96 years and, and to really have so much influence on everybody. And my, all my friends loved her and respected her very much, and we all miss her a great deal. But you're right, the unconditional love lives on because it's inside of you. You know, we're going to be talking about that all night tonight. Later on, I've got the uh, certified educators, which I love to call the Charlie's Angels of Outreach, talking to me. And coming up after you, we're going to be talking to the best-selling author, Rachel Van Dyken, who wrote this new book that's burning up the charts, The Bet. And I want to talk about romance and unconditional love, which, you know, when we talk about Doris Day, we all think of her as that good girl who was that wide-eyed exuberance, fell in love with Rock Hudson a million times, right, in the movies. And uh, she just kind of represents... In, exactly. And she just rep- <laughs> represents to me that innocence that you go into love with, you know, and I just, I love uh, celebrating her music as well as her career. And it's amazing that she's 90 and she looks so young and youthful and all the photos that came out around that celebration. I just think she's a wonderful inspiration about living a full life tonight. Well, you know, I I, I just believe that love should be unconditional because otherwise, you know, it's not really, it's something else. Yeah, we'll have to do a show on that. <laughs> that will be coming up later on this year. But in the meantime, would you please share your wonderful poem in tribute to Doris Day with us tonight? So you and I were talking about um, what to write about Doris Day. And, you know, I always tell you I never know what I'm going to write until I actually am writing it. Um, and this poem turned out to be called Unconditional Doris. In all of your movies, you manage to be the mother of mothers, we all would agree. Caring and innocent, smiling and gay, always supportive in just every way. But also a diva, you thrilled us with song and gave us a mother we all could belong. Love and affection, kindly and true, this is what we think of when we think of you that you can be always both stylish and graced, 
and teaching us how to be sexy and chaste. Love without judgment and without condition. Love without questioning or competition. You frolicked in movies like old pillow talk and send me no flowers with your co-star rock. Even when you were annoyed and perplexed, we ne'er got the feeling you'd stay angry or vexed. So thank you, dear Doris, for all of your love, for treating us all with that lovely kid glove, for making us laugh and giving us a thrill. Send you no flowers? No, I think I will. Amazing Thanks, job. And you know, our coming up, we have Marguerite from South Africa who loves, loves, loves her poems. I'm sure she's going to uh, tell you how much she loves them. So I'm going to give you mo- one more round of applause since she's not really set up. Thank she you. puts a, you know, when I watch Doris Day, she puts a huge smile on my face, and her music does the same thing. And um, Lorraine, we're going to get ready to do a show later on this year at a comedy club, so maybe we'll have to play some Doris Day when we do that. How's that? I would, I would love to hear it, and I'd love to be a part of that. All right. Well, you know, uh, you mentioned Rock Hudson. They made several movies together, but I think the their biggest one, or my all-time favorite for sure, is Pillow Talk. So I thought we'd listen to this title song from that movie. I love it. Oh, my gosh, my Twitter feed is already blowing up. Yes, I'm going to be at a comedy club. I'm going to be at the Greenwich Village Comedy Club in July, and actually poet Lorraine Brooks is going to be joining me along with DJ turned comedian Tom Ragu. We're taking our show to a comedy club, and I hope you can join us. It's going to be in New York City again in July. You can get all the details at divabedic.org. Thanks for the Twitter uh, feed. I love it. Uh, It's time to light the candles and chill some wine because it's about to get sexy up here at Diabetes Late Night. My next guest is helping raise money for diabetes research with 13 other New York Times and USA Today bestselling authors with a new box set called A Sweet Life available at Amazon.com. Please welcome the ravishing Rachel Van Dyken. Hello, Rachel. Hi, how are you? I'm so much better to have you on the show. Well, thanks for having me. I'm, I've got a proposition for you, Rachel. Okay, let's hear it. Well, no, that's the storyline of your new sensational book. I've been reading all about it on the Internet, The Bet. It's flying up the best-selling uh, charts. I think it's a, a, such a really interesting um, storyline because it's about a junior high crush uh, that kind of goes into a tailspin, right, when they meet later on in life. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, it's, you know, it's kind of one of those, it's, you know, it's a story that's been told before a little bit. It's the girl that grows up next door, you know, to the two brothers, and she falls in love with one of them, and they're best friends all through college, and, you know, they end up breaking up, and she um, was always bullied by the older brother, and so the younger brother later on, after they graduate, kind of makes a proposition to her that if she just pretends to be a fiancé for the weekend, um, that he'll pay off the rest of her student loans. So she decides to come home, and she ends up falling in love with the older brother, and it's kind of uh, rom-com, you know, romantic comedy about how um, what you think you want in life is not necessarily what is best for you. So it's kind of a fun coming-of-age story about how she discovers who she is and how coming home actually helps her become more of a woman. I love it. And you're also not only a best-selling author, you're also considered a relationship psychology expert. So I am, yeah. I've, I've, I've been researching you for the last month. And, you know, you talk a lot about body language and, and just what you said about people, you know, initially having feelings towards someone, but then later on they can change. So it's kind of curious since we're going to be talking about A Sweet Life and that collection of books available uh, right now at Amazon.com, Raising Money, We Should Tell Everyone for Diabetes Research Institute. And we're talking about unconditional love tonight. Do you think a lot of uh, women today jump in too soon, especially with everyone going on Match.com and some of these Internet sites? I mean, what do you, what do you say to young women who are, uh, you know, right out of college, like the character in The Bat, 
who are kind of beginning to fall in love and they're moving to big cities like New York or Chicago or Charleston. And um, what advice do you give them? I'm curious. You know, I think that you kind of hit the nail on the head with Match.com, with, you know, with technology this day and age. You have Twitter, you have Facebook. I mean, you're, you're bombarded with so many different types of social networking that once you do start dating, it's almost like you forget how to interact with people face-to-face. And so a lot of times what happens is women connect with men maybe online or through Facebook or, you know, however that may happen. And then when they meet in person, they already have a vision of what that person should be like. And so they project that. And then what you have is not a real relationship, but what you think that person is. And then you start to unravel and and make excuses to that person if they don't turn out being what, in your mind, they should have been in the first place. And so I think it's really important that you don't just get to know them online or, you know, look at their profile or stalk them on Facebook, but really use that first initial meeting as a chance to really get to know that person. And that goes into body language. That goes into how they treat their friends, how they treat their family. And I even say go as far as to see how they treat the waitress. Do they tip? You know, are they nice to other people? I mean, it's just, it's really important to pay attention to those social cues. And I think that in this day and age, we're not used to paying attention to those anymore just because we're not used to interaction that's face-to-face anymore. I mean, how many times do you go to dinner and a couple is at the restaurant and they're both on their phones? You know, so it's just not something that I think we're teaching people anymore. And so it's something I think you need to be more hyper aware of. But the thing that bugs me is that guys are bad and notoriously bad at texting. So, you know, when you text <laughs> someone, sometimes your words are taken out of context, you know, because it, you yeah. weren't face to face. So in this idea of everyone being so um, tech savvy and so many gadgets, how do, how, do, how do you really communicate with someone in order to really start to really build that foundation for love and also, you know, have that kind of commitment that you're looking for? Because I feel a lot of times I hear from my friends and other people I know that, you know, one bad text just sends them into a tailspin. <laughs> All of a sudden, it's, it's panic, right? It's either they're elated or they're panicked and the world is ending. I know, you know, I just t- I tell people all the time, you have to do stuff. I mean, what happened to people going on dates? What happened to them, you know, going on walks? What happened to people, you know, going out, and not just for dinner, but going out, you know, for a hike? I mean, you know, doing activities. I think we become so... I don't know, immobile, we don't, we don't do enough stuff. And I think the best way, especially for women to get to know men because they're more action-oriented, is to do physical activities. You know, do fun things. Go explore the city. Go wine tasting. Go do stuff that really is going to bring about that other person's personality because if you don't, then it is going to be a totally text-related relationship and an email relationship. And you can't tell someone's tone by texting. You can only assume, and you can assume through the different emotions they use, of course, but who wants an entire relationship just based, you know, by looking at their cell phone? You know, I mean, I think that the texting should come later on, and I think that that can be an important part of a relationship, but I think initially you have to do stuff. You have to know that person. It's kind of like, I don't know, you wouldn't just, like a girlfriend, I wouldn't just text my girlfriend to not hang out with her. It wouldn't make sense to me. I mean, she'd be my best friend, and it would be fine to text her all the time, but really I want to spend time with her, and that's how I get to be friends with her. That's how I get to know her because we're sharing interests. We're shopping together. You know, we're going to get in coffee same goes for my husband. You know, I do fun stuff with him because I want to get, I want to, you know, see him smile. I want to hang out with him. And I think with the relationships this day and age, you have to get past that point of the technology being the basis for your relationship. In order to build towards a sweet life, which is what we, is the name of the collection of the books you, I mean, the stories that you help be part of for Brenda Novak. Now, if you're just tuning in, Mm -hmm. I'm talking to best-selling author, Rachel Van Dyken. Rachel, you wrote, Every Girl Does It. That's the name of your story in the box set of Sweet Life that's available at Amazon.com. What is is it that every girl does? I'm curious. Well, first I have to just say that's the first book I wrote. And it's not – and I had to actually rewrite half of it because I was so horrified with – anyways, because it was a couple years ago. So I rewrote half of it, just so you know. Um, it's about a girl that um, it's actually she's in her 30s and she's wanting to settle down and the nerd from high school that, she, that asked her to prom that she turned down in front of the entire school nine years later comes back looking like smoking hot and he's a firefighter and he kind of pulls her out of a crappy situation and um, he starts wanting you know to date her he's not stalking her but wants to seduce her and she's not okay with it because she thinks that eventually he's just toying with her emotions and is trying to get back at her and the whole story is kind of like a it's just a ton of misunderstandings that take place and challenges and bets, and they end up hanging out together, and they end up um, going on a trip together um, with their friends, 
it's it's just it's just a fun story. It's a total romantic comedy, and it's kind of about the whole thing is about misunderstandings and then not trusting yourself and not trusting your own emotions when it comes to that other person. Um, so yeah, it ends good, ends happy, and it's just supposed to be something fun, you know, because it's a sweet life box set. We want it to be fun and exciting, not sad. So it's just a fun story, no cliffhanger that kind of will pick you up if you're having a bad day. And it, all the money raised from the book goes towards the Diabetes Research Institute. And if you want to find out more about it, they could go to Brenda Novak's annual online auction for diabetes research, too. I have both of those mm-hmm. listed on our website. She's raised over $2 million so far, and yeah. this is the 10th anniversary. She said there's over 2,000 items up for grabs right now. It's only available online. And, Rachel, uh, I know a lot of authors are giving, having dinners or, or chatting. You know, mm-hmm. some people could bid on some uh, meeting their favorite authors, or you could get advice from mm-hmm. authors. I know you're a hybrid author, they call you, so that means you are published, and then you also publish yeah. yourself. Um, we have a bunch of great writers on our team, including Lorraine Brooks, who you heard earlier. Before you go, mm-hmm. what's some advice you could give to some of these writers wanting to get out there and, and maybe have as much success as you have or just even part of it? <laughs> <laughs> you know, what I tell people is you can't just put all your eggs in one basket. And I think that any seasoned writer would tell you that. You can't just write one book and be like, why is it not hitting New York Times? I don't understand. <laughs> so it's good. But you have to get your name out there. And I think for me to... My success, obviously, I think just comes from God being amazing and blessing me, but also just from connecting with people. And that kind of goes back to social networking. Um, That's one of the blessings of technology is that I can talk to fans in Scotland and in Philippines. And, I I mean, I talk to them all over the world, but I really try to make that a part of my books that people can contact me at any point, any time. I personally respond to every email, every Facebook message, every tweet, like every single thing is all me responding. And I think that that's part of being a writer now is you have to really engage um, and continue to build that backlist. You know, I mean, it's not, if people really like that one book or that one poem that you write, that's awesome, but they're going to want more and they're going to want it fast because with all the self-publishing that's going on, they're used to having their needs met right away. And so keep writing, keep putting stuff out there. And eventually, you know, that's going to happen. So I just think, you know, never give up. I think it's really important just to continue pursuing what you know you were born to do. Great. Well, thank you so much for being a part of the show. Again, that was Rachel, author Rachel Van Dyken. She's part of the box set of Sweet Life. I'll be tweeting about it, putting it back on Facebook. All the money from the proceeds of that book go to the Diabetes Research um, Institute. Thanks again for being on the show, Rachel. Thank you so much for having me. All right, everybody, guess what? It's time to meet three of the sexiest and smartest certified diabetes educators around the world. I call the Charlie's Angels of Outreach. Ooh la la. Let's meet them starting with the naturally good-looking Neva White from Thomas Jefferson University. Hi, Neva. Hi, Nick. And thank you. Let's meet the divine Dr. Beverly S. Adler from New York. Hi, Dr. Bev. Hello, Max, and we're friends. Call me Dr. Bev. And let's meet pretty Patricia Addy Gentle from Atlanta, Georgia. Hi, Patricia. Hi, Max. Thanks for continuing Happy Mother's Day to all three of you lovely ladies tonight. Thanks for joining the show. Um, now, I know, are you all Doris Day fans? Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Yes, because guess what? I'm on the edge of my seat. Before we do the hot topics, we're going to play one of Doris's biggest hits. Let's listen. When I was just a little girl, I asked my mother, What will I be? Will I be pretty? Will I be rich? Here's what she said to me.
I just have to say, if my mother said Kesara Sarah to me, when I came at her with a problem, I don't know if I'd be as upbeat and happy as Doris Day is. Just saying. But uh, Patricia, <laughs> I want to start with you because we're talking about unconditional love and how it relates to diabetes. Your hot topic tonight is about um, Doris's big love of animals. She's been a huge animals' rights advocate for the last 50 years. But according to recent statistics, diabetes has become increasingly more common in cats and dogs. Many people are saying that this increase is due in part to the number of overweight and obese cats. What do you think? I think that's right on target, Max. Um, just like in, in humans with type 2 diabetes, we look at the meal planning issues and um, what we look at is as rewarding ourselves for good behavior or feeling good about ourselves. We center all of our celebrations with food and you know, we feed our animals, our pets, the same way, and we reward them and give them treats as well. But it's all in meal planning, uh, having a healthy meal, having uh, meals that are more uh, rich in fiber to slow that absorption of the carbohydrate and the glucose into the bloodstream. Uh, a lot of the cheaper uh, formulas have high carbs, and it relates to directly to the the animal gaining weight, being obese, and having diabetes. Seems so funny to me because I feel like a lot of people view their animals as like if they're heavy, they think they're healthy. So there's this kind of misconception out there. But it is alarming when you see how many cats are on the morning talk shows that weigh 70 or 80 pounds and people... You know, it just it seems so sad to me that we're we're making fun of it and we're not really taking it as a serious issue that, you know, pet owners are having to inject insulin into their animals on a daily basis in order to keep them alive. Absolutely. The treatment is very similar to that what, that we see in uh, human beings. All right, well, thank you for that. Neva, a lot of needophobic people who are probably listening tonight who have diabetes love, love, love this idea of an inhalable insulin. And there's, gonna, there's a rapid-acting insulin treatment called aphrasia that is being reviewed right now by the um, U.S. Food and Drug Administration. What can you tell us about it? And it is, is it something that we should be falling in love with? Well, let's hold off on that just yet. A freezer is actually, um, it's in class, what they're calling an ultra-rapid-acting insulin. So it is an inhaled human insulin, which is uh, going to be probably used for pre-meal, and it peaks about 12 to 15 minutes after administration. The nice thing about a freezer is that the device that's used to administer it can fit in the palm of the hand. Now, if you all recall the uh, inhaled insulin exubera, if anyone remembers that, it was actually discontinued. And from my research, what I found is that the reason they discontinued is not for safety reasons, but more so lack of interest because it was a rapid-acting insulin. And if you could recall, the device was kind of large, kind of awkward. Um, it wasn't that user-friendly, and it seemed from what I read, and even some of what I know, uh, it seemed like it didn't catch on. So My issue, that- though, is like if you take inhalable insulin, how do you control the dosage? If I take a deeper breath than you, would I get more insulin, or is it going to have a certain amount of spray that comes out every time? Because I feel you know, some people worry about, would be worried about how much insulin are they really getting in that type of situation. Well, looking at the device and how it's designed, it almost kind of, it looks like whatever that, the pack that contains the insulin, when an individual inhales, whatever amount of of medication that's in that, that's going to be in that little packet that goes into the, the inhaled device is what they're going to receive. So, I guess time will have to tell how people respond to it and how well it works. Just like with anything else, people are probably going to have to learn an inhale, inhaling technique. Oh, okay. All right. Well, thank you for that. 
All right, Dr. Bev, the role of the caregiver is very complicated. I know that firsthand from taking care of my former boss, Luther Vandross. Uh, The demands of caregiving can be overwhelming, especially if you feel like you have little control over the situation. And the stress alone could take a toll on the caregiver's health so and the relationship as well as their state of mind. I'm just wondering, what kind of advice can you give to caregivers about dealing with burnout? Okay, thank you, Max. Well, um, talking about the um, helping loved ones who have diabetes, and though that's a special group of people, and uh, it's not an official name, but we call them type 3s, and those are the family and friends of loved ones. And um, yes, I think they can burn out, um, but uh, there's no need to burn out if you can have a, a supportive relationship with the person that you are helping to care for. Okay, and um, an important part of uh, not burning out is to have a supportive collaboration. It's not that you are making all the decisions for the person with diabetes, but you are being supportive of their um, choices. And I think the most important part is to remember that the person with diabetes is responsible for their own care, and as a caregiver, you are there in a supportive role. And um, if, um, if you know, uh, different people react differently. So uh, some people may be happy to share their blood sugar numbers and they feel supported. Other people not so happy to share their blood sugar numbers because they're going to feel that um, they're going to be judged and there's going to be a lot of criticism. It's, it's very individual. But um, I'm going to say the... Uh, this is a judgmental term. The worst of being supportive is when you become the diabetes police. Okay, that is being too supportive, and that is when you are. Um, it, it certainly can be um, construed as controlling to the person with diabetes, and nobody wants to be controlled. So um, it's important that helping you know, a person with diabetes, to be a type 3, you want to be positive, you want to be encouraging, you're part of a team rather than somebody who's always telling somebody what they should be doing and um, being supportive, not being critical, and um, listening, encouraging, and not controlling. I just think, uh, thank you for that, but I do think it's really rough for people out there because they're, you know, it's like we were talking about mothers earlier. They do so much heavy lifting. They're there all the time. When they do everything according to what they should be doing or they're as helpful as can be, they usually don't, no one really notices. It's when they do something wrong, like they start getting, like you said, pointing the finger or making a snap judgment about something. You know, it's only like now people are aware of what they're doing. And I, I just feel like the caregivers often, uh, you know, so emotionally attached to it. And, of course, obviously, they want to see their loved one, whether it's their spouse, and we'll be talking to Marguerite in a minute from South Africa about her husband, uh, it, whether it's their spouse or their child or their coworker. They don't want to, no one wants to find anyone on the floor passed out or, or having, you know, going through some kind of health crisis like I found Luther with the stroke. But at the same time, and so, you know, you tend to get stressed out if you feel like the people are not doing what, you know, again, not to be judgmental, supposed to be doing. So it's kind of like this weird, you know what I mean? It's a little bit tough to be able to go back and forth, like you're saying, and, and always stay upbeat, I think, if you feel like, you know, so many things are out of your control and you're the one who always has to be responsible at the end of the day and deal with whatever the outcome is. I, I understand what you're saying. And to be overly involved is a thankless job, but to be involved just enough, will um, it'll be the right blend between um, helping somebody and not over-helping somebody because over-helping is not appreciated generally, and just helping is... Um, you know, you kind of, you do blend into the, you know, the framework of day-to-day, um, and and that should be um, the goal of not being in the forefront of 
somebody's care, but just blending there to be available. And, um, you know, and yes, I, I, I can see the stress that somebody would feel if you're constantly feeling that you have to um, make decisions for other people, especially as a parent making decisions for children, but um, ultimately you want to do the decision-making together. So you would ask things like, um, what can I do for you? Um, somebody says, I want to eat the cake no matter what, and then you can say, okay, how will we handle that? Okay, so you you can phrase it in a way that um, you can try, you can say, fine, what you know, enjoy your cake, and maybe we could go for a walk afterwards, and you know, without being judgmental and saying, are you really sure you should be doing that? Because that is not supportive. You understand what I'm saying? I do. I like the idea of the phrasing. I think I I heard what you just said, and I hope other people see that. And I think obviously it's always good to know that you're not alone in these situations when you're a caregiver. I know the world shrinks for people when they're doing this, and we're gonna. I'm getting ready to talk to Marguerite and get her personal story as a wife of a, a man who had a stroke. But before I do, Dr. Bab, you're helping us celebrate Mother's Day in such a great way because a little bit later on we're going to talk about our big giveaway of My Sweet Life, Stories yes. of Successful Women Living with Diabetes. We're going to give away a copy of your book to our, one of our fan book friends who's on Divabetic. So that's coming up, everybody. But before we do, because we're talking about love and unconditional love, um, Dr. Bev Doris Day was the only movie star of her time who consistently played independent career women with great jobs. She was never desperate for a man, but she was unfortunately always tagged as the eternal virgin. I'd love to hear her wonderful take on love based on that. Let's hear another song by Doris Day. Everybody loves a lover. I'm a lover. Everybody loves me Anyhow, that's how I feel Wow, I feel Just like a Pollyanna I should worry Not for nothing Everybody loves me Yes, they do And I love everybody Since I All right, everybody, it's time to welcome a diva songwriter whose life dramatically changed when her husband had a stroke several years ago and she became a full-time caregiver. But that didn't stop the music. Please welcome, I guess, the marvelous Marguerite from South Africa. Hi, Marguerite. Hello, Max. How are you? I'm fabulous. Thanks for joining the show. We, you just heard me talking to Dr. Bab a little bit about the role of a caregiver, and you and I have this in common because I served as Luther's caregiver after he had a stroke. Uh, you were a caregiver for, you are a caregiver for your husband. Tell us a little bit about your husband's health and what happened. All right. He had suffered a stroke in 2004, and um, I found that the love I have for him helped me to in the process of caregiving and to basically nurse him back to health. It took a couple of years, but he's, um, he's done so well, and um, I, I will do it again in a second. So what exactly happened, just so people who are listening could get a little bit more of a picture? Your husband was in great health. He, we should tell them, people, our listeners, yes. he, doesn't have di- he doesn't have diabetes, but he was, no. he was in great health and he went to work one day, and what happened? Yes. Um, well, it was a particularly stressful day, and um, I think it was a, a, just a bit of a too much stress that particular day. And when we came home, he had a stroke in our living room, and fortunately I was there, and I could help uh, get someone help immediately. And we had some beautiful, fantastic uh, speech therapists who helped us along the way, and um, Physically, there wasn't any problem. It was more of a speech problem, an aphasia problem. Okay, and so then 
he you brought him to the hospital and then he after he had to have a few surgeries before he began speech therapy can you explain that a little bit to us all right um he came home about a week after he suffered the stroke and within six months of the stroke he had two carotid operations on his neck arteries they started the speech therapy five days after the stroke and um, so they could we could do that immediately and were you a part of that whole uh, rehabilitation yes um, the speech therapist visited us once a week and she gave us exercises to do each day about a and, half an hour a day and how did it affect your life you heard me talking earlier to dr. Bev about the burnout that caregivers go through how, what was it like for you Marguerite Okay, um, I felt that he worked with me. I think if it would, if he would have been stubborn or difficult about it, it would have really caused burnout. But he was very supportive, and he did the exercises. He did everything he could to help me, and that helped a lot. And did you take time out for yourself and do personal things, or how how was that for you? Now becoming the full time caregiver as well as a wife and. Okay, um, I did. Um, I spent time with my friends. I had my accounting practice, which I spent time on, which was a nice balance. And then I started writing the book about my experience about it, which I felt was really healing for me. So you wrote about your experience as a caregiver, and what kind of advice, having gone through it, would you can you share with our listeners tonight? I think just going through the process day by day and trying to stay positive, um, facing what has happened instead of trying to deny it too much, giving yourself, be kind to yourself, but do face the situation and get to grips with the reality of the situation. That is the main thing, just to try to realize what has happened. And what is the name of the book? Uh, It's called The First Steps. I took to cope with my husband's stroke. I'm not a therapist, so it's just my description of how I coped with our situation. All right, and now the interesting thing in your story is that you uh, were a musician at one time. You studied music growing up, and when, you're, yes, when you went through this whole crisis with your husband, this health crisis, and dealt with the stroke and helped him through his rehabilitation, and we should tell everyone he's doing quite well today, correct? Yes, he is. Um, you got interested in getting back into music. Yes, I did. (laughs) And so you became a songwriter, and you started writing lyrics to songs. And so tell us a little bit about this new career that you've taken on. Thank you. Toby was involved, my husband was involved in motorsport all his life, and he told me how he feels when he rides a motorbike. And the result was um, a song about freedom and speed called adrenaline rush and i wrote it in the pop or electronic dance genre and my friend helena hetemar is a singer songwriter in south africa and she does the lyrics for the song all right and it's available on cd baby we have a clip here so let's take a listen listeners to adrenaline I'm gonna ride, I'm gonna fly Freedom, freedom I want it all, I want it now Freedom, freedom, freedom Sounds a lot like Lady Gaga. All right, you could get, how can they get this? They could get this song on CD Baby, is that correct? That's correct. They just go to cdbaby.com. And they type in Helena Hetema. It's H-E-T-T-E-M-A. And there are two songs, Adrenaline Rush and My Heart, New York, because I am enchanted by New York, and I wrote a love song for New York in the jazz or cabaret genre. Well, I love it. And, you know, I get a lot of adrenaline by playing games. So you're going to play some games with me tonight. 
Our first game is called the Diabetes History Challenge. It's Diabetes Time Machine. I'll be doing a show later this year in November at the Pittsburgh ADA Expo. Uh, Please go to divabet.org to find out more about this exciting program. It will be my seventh year on the main stage at the American Diabetes Expo in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Here's how it works, Marguerite. You're going to try to put these three milestones from the 1950s in the correct chronological order, starting with what you think happened first. Are you ready? Okay. Okay. Uh, Number one, the fast food restaurant Burger King is founded. Number two, Doris Day and Rock Hudson co-star for the first time in a romantic comedy. Hint, I already played the theme song from this movie earlier in the broadcast. And number three, oral medications were developed to help people with type 2 diabetes manage their blood sugars. What do you think happened first? I would think the Doris Day and Rock Hudson. You would think that happened first? You're representing all of South Africa. You feel confident in that answer? (laughs) No, I don't, but I'm going to try that anyway. All right, Cape Town. Uh, Try one more time. What do you think happened first? Okay, then the Burger King. You think it was the Burger King? Okay, Johannesburg. All right, Dr. Bev, are you there, Dr. Bev? I am here. Can you help us out a little bit? The 1950s, what an amazing time in, you know, diabetes health and wellness. I mean, the oral medications, I can't imagine that people with type 2 diabetes have even realized how recent this is that they started having oral medications available. What happened first? And, And put these in chronological order for us. Okay, well, first I have to clarify that I wasn't born for some of this, okay? That's so okay. Um, I'm going to say that the, the oral medications that were developed to help people with type 2 diabetes manage their blood sugars, that came first. Amazingly, that was in 1952. And Burger King, which uh, st- they uh, started the... Um, Burger King was founded and at the same time nutrition labeling and uh, became required on packaged foods. Um, uh, That came a year later in 1953. And I'm sorry, but pillow talk. Doris Day and Rock Hudson, they starred in their first romantic comedy. That was in 1959. Of all the things, that's the most recent. But it is, it is pretty amazing that oral medications, I think we take them all for granted, right, Dr. Bev, that they, not till 1952 did we see our first uh, oral medications. I know you, when we talked about the 40s uh, a few shows ago, we were talking about the foundation of um, uh, ADA happened in the 40s, and also, you know, they found out about gestational diabetes, and they began, I think, as early as the 30s to begin to recognize that there's a difference between type 1 and type 2 diabetes. Is that correct, to the best of your knowledge? Yes, I would say that's correct. But I'm going to say that those original um, uh, medications, oral medications, those were like the first generation, and uh, the oral medications that we have available now, they are second generation, and they are, they are much more advanced, as is the technology for um, you know, blood sugar management, but the, the oral medications also have changed uh, um, quite a bit since the, the, their first uh, generation uh, um, you know, appeared. I love it. And, you know, games help people chase the blues away. Let's hear another song from Doris Day. Shaking the blues away. Away. Unhappy news away. Away. If you were blue, it's easy to shake off your cares and troubles. Telling the blues to go. They may refuse to go. But as a rule, they'll go with you. Shake them away. All right. Uh, Marguerite, I know you don't have diabetes. I know your husband doesn't have diabetes, but we're going to play our diabetes numerology game because it's all about raising awareness for diabetes in a fun new way. Right, listeners? 
And this is how it works. I'm going to read aloud a random blood sugar value along with a related situation. Then I'm going to ask you, Marguerite, to try to tell us how you would deal with the situation because it is so important, as we heard earlier tonight, that you engage all the members of your family and friends around you in your diabetes self-care and really talk about how everyone could be involved, especially the caregivers should know how to treat highs and lows. Next, the Charlie's Angels of Outreach, including Dr. Bev, Neva White, and Patricia Addy Gentle, will discuss your solution and share some tips with our listeners. Remember, if you're playing along with us tonight, keep in mind that one solution doesn't work for everyone. Check with your doctor to find out what your specific game plan should be, and please visit divabetic.org for free diabetes numerology game book downloads. Okay, Marguerite, your Divey's numerology game tonight is loosely based on the last film Doris Day appeared in. With six, you get egg roll. It's about two unmarried people with children meet and fall in love in spite of their family differences. Your situation tonight is it's the morning after a bedtime argument with your husband. You drive off in a rage in the car with the kids. Your, blood, your diabetes numerology blood sugar tonight is 45. What would you do? Max, I don't know a lot about the diabetics or diabetes. So I wouldn't know what that score would mean. Um, I know more about the stroke um, situations. So I would not know um, what, what that score would mean, quite frankly. I- I love the honesty with that answer, Dr. Bev. What does a 45 mean? Well, first I'm going to tell you that in uh, South Africa, I'm not even sure whether they use the same measuring system that we use here because in in, uh, Canada, where I just returned from an invited uh, keynote address, they use the European system. So um, nonetheless, uh, 45 is a pretty low number. And um, I would say sometimes when people are very upset, okay, like having an argument and rushing off into the car, um, your heart can pound and you can have a lot of adrenaline and you have a big rush. And so I'm going to say it's very important that uh, you decipher whether or not this is um, because of the situation or because of your blood sugar. Now, if you've, you've pulled over and you've determined that your, it's your blood sugar, that's 45, well, then you need to immediately treat that. You need to, uh, um, you certainly cannot drive, and uh, you're going to have to take a little uh, break and um, immediately treat with some uh, glucose, which would uh, the fastest source would be glucose tablets, but uh, other sources I know people have um, like cake frosting, and they they put that in their the inside cheek of their mouth. You want something that's going to be absorbed quickly, because uh, 45 is actually quite low, and uh, you don't want to have an added problem in front of your children of uh, passing out. So, All right, uh, and. Great advice. And Neva, I mean, Marguerite is perfect because she's someone who doesn't know anything about diabetes, which is most of us. So what do you do if you find someone who's, you know, talking nonsense or sweating or blurring or, you know, potentially having the signs of a low blood sugar? What should someone, maybe it's a coworker, what, what kind of advice can you give someone listening tonight who, who, like Marguerite, is unfamiliar with some of the things we normally talk about on the show? Well, it's very interesting because this just happened to me. I was in a public area, and it was somebody who kind of just kind of passed. They weren't passed out. They were still alert. So the first thing I did was I tried to communicate with the individual to ask them if they had diabetes. It's it's really good for people to have some kind of uh, ID jewelry on, you know, medical alert bracelet or something that we can, you know, look at and see what your medical condition is. If a person is unable to communicate, this person could not verbally communicate. They could look at me, but they couldn't verbally communicate with me. So I had no idea the people around the person didn't know their medical history either. So when you're traveling alone and no one knows your history, they don't know anything about you, you've got to have something on your person that speaks for you. It might be low blood sugar or it could be um, a seizure. Sometimes people have seizures and it almost looks like a low blood sugar. And, you know, low blood sugar is sometimes people don't even know. It could be unaware 
where you can have a dangerously low drop in your blood sugar and you have no warning because you don't have the nervous system structure where your epinephrine kicks in to even let you know that this is happening. So people really need to uh, know that if this is an issue, they have to have something on them per- their person that speaks for them or someone near them who can speak for them. All right. Um, thank you for that. And Patricia, anything, would you, anything you'd like to add? Um, Max, I would like to say that when you're going to be driving your car and knowing that you have diabetes, one of the things that you might want to do prior to getting behind the wheel is to know that your blood sugar is a good one. So if you get a number like 45 or a number that is extra extraordinarily high, then you need to take action before you take off even in a rage. <laughs> All right, great. Well, thank you for that. And Marguerite, for helping us play our diabetes neurology game tonight and raise awareness in a fun new way, we're going to give one of our lucky listeners a chance to win a new Naturals gift basket filled with diabetic-safe, low-glycemic, tooth-friendly sweeteners, a cabbage cheese gift basket, and Dr. Greenfield's diabetes products, which are specifically designed for people with diabetes with sensitive and delicate skin. Plus, tonight only on this podcast for Mother's Day, we're giving away a copy of Dr. Beverly S. Adler's book, My Sweet Life, Stories of Successful Women with Diabetes, featuring our own poet Lorraine Brooks. Uh, If you go to our Facebook page, DivaBetic's Facebook page, a random winner will be chosen. We're going to draw one later on tonight. So thanks for being a part of that. It's time to welcome my final guest of the evening, the magnificent Mama Rose Marie. Hi, Mama Rose Marie. Hi, hi, Max. Uh, I guess I gave you the surprise of your life, right? You sure did. I'm still choked up about it. It was wonderful. Thank you. Thank you and thank James for that. Um, It meant a lot to me. Well, we sure love I, having I you be our w- mother. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. I want to wish all the um, divas out there a belated happy Mother's Day. Everybody needs to know how much they are appreciated. Um, and Mother's Day is a wonderful way of honoring mothers. And so, Well, I'm going to give a tip this, for the month of May, and I love that. Um, song for Doris Day, what will be, will be, and we all know what will be if we eat on healthy snacks. So I want to give a nice um, healthy snack option for people. It's so much better than going for a handful of chips or a handful of nuts. So I want people to try this roasted edamame. Um, you could have that. You could roast it at one it, Roasted edamame is really good for you. It only has 140 calories, or 4 grams of fiber, and 9 grams of protein. So that is my advice for this month of May to eat a healthy snack. So go green, go grab green and go, right? That's what you're saying. I love right. Yeah. Well, thanks yes. for being a part of the show. And thanks, uh, Marguerite, for being a part of the show. You're representing South Africa with us. Thank you so much for being on the show tonight, Marguerite. Thank you very much. Thank you. And I love your unconditional love of New York City. Hey, everybody, guess what? You can subscribe to DivaBetic's e-newsletter at divabetic.org. Every month we put out a newsletter. We've got coupons, recipes, and information on this podcast, as well as other things going on at DivaBetic, including... Uh, this coming Saturday, I'm going to see Mama Rosemarie. We're going to be at Raleigh, North Carolina for the Taking Control of Your Diabetes Conference. So join us there. Get all the dates at our calendar. Remember to visit our fan book fan page, so you, our Facebook fan page, so you can get a copy of Dr. Bev's incredible book, My Sweet Life, Stories of Successful Women Living with Diabetes. And check out all my videos on Mr. Diva Bedeck's YouTube channel. Next month, we're going to be saluting fathers with our Diabetes Late Night inspired by John Legend. I'd like to thank all my guests tonight for being on the show, and of course, thank you for listening. Until then, remember, every diva has an entourage, and I'm so glad to be part of yours. Let's get happy and stay healthy together. We're going to close the show with one more amazing song from Doris Day. I got no diamonds, got no pearls. Still I think I'm a lucky girl I got the sun in the morning and the moon at night Got no mansion, got no yacht 
till I'm happy with what I've got. I've got the sun in the morning and the moon at night. Sunshine gives me a lovely day. Moonlight gives me the Milky Way. Got no checkbooks, got no banks. Still, I'd like to express my thanks. I got the sun in the morning and the moon at night. And with the sun in the morning and the moon in the evening, I'm all right. Got no butler, got no maid. Still, I think I've been overpaid. I got the sun in the morning and the moon at night. I got the sun in the morning and the moon at night. I got no silver. Got no gold. What I got can't be bought or sold. I got the sun in the morning and the moon at night. I got the sun in the morning and the moon at night. Sunshine gives me a lovely day. Moonlight gives me the Milky Way. Got no heirlooms for my kin. Made no will, but when I cash in, I leave the sun in the morning and the moon at night. And with the sun in the morning and the moon in the evening, I'm all right. <laughs> 